We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me is the Presidente of the German O'Neill Fan Club, Michael J. Pachi. Pachi, what's up, brother? Oh, man, it feels like it's been a minute, Alex. Always excited to talk some Pacer basketball on a time like this. I thought we'd take a, a look at the bigger picture for this year and not just talk about the Pacers, but also talk about where the Pacers could end up this year in the landscape of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so this is always a fun exercise, and I know last year we had some back and forth with our standings predictions, and we do have a lot of question marks going into this season because right now, August 10th, we still have no solution on Damian Lillard or James Harden, so this does kind of put teams at a weird spot, but we're going to do our best to kind of explain why we have each team where we have them projected. So we're going to work our way from the bottom at 15 and all the way up to number one. Could be the Pacers, could not be, we'll see. But I'm curious, Fachi, at number 15, are we going to be talking about a team that you are kind of familiar with? I think it's impossible not to. And this is the lowly, the lowly Washington Wizards. If you have I a jersey of. <laughs> did not buy it. Now look, it's gross. Kuzma, Jordan Poole, they're going to have the keys to the city. <laughs> Nothing else is going to be going on there as it relates to basketball. So we're going to see some empty stats, and I, I think that we're going to see uh, the L's rack up for the Washington Wizards. Yeah, I too have Washington at 15. I think it's pretty obvious. Vegas has them 15th as well to finish last in the Eastern Conference. They were 12th last year, uh, tied with Indiana. I think Indiana was 11th, but we had like a, a head-to-head yep. uh, tiebreaker over them. So busy offseason, though, for Washington as they cleaned house. They they drafted Bilal Koulibaly and Tristan Vucevic. They traded Bradley Beal, traded Monty Morris, traded Kristaps Porzingis. They re-signed Kyle Kuzma. They acquired Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, Ryan Rollins, Patrick Baldwin Jr., and Landry Shamit. It's a pretty crappy roster. It almost looks like an expansion team. So, yes, you know, I mean, no offense to Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma. Like, those guys are good basketball players. Same with Tyus Jones. Like, these are all, like, serviceable basketball players, but they're not guys that you're expecting to be the number one of a franchise. So, this is a team that's going to have a lot of work cut out for them, and I can't see them doing much better than the last in the Eastern Conference. Honestly, I can't. I think out of everybody that you mentioned, it was really only one starter, and that guy was a starter on the Wizards. And Kyle Kuzma, the rest yeah. were pretty much players coming off the bench. Jordan Poole, a little bit of a starter coming off the bench. But regardless, um, yeah, it's not pretty for them this year. Moving on next, this is where, you know, I mean, things could change. So, I'm gonna. I'll go with who I have first. It's the Detroit Pistons. Now, okay. here's what we got: really talented team 
on paper, this is actually a really exciting team that's going to be scary for a few years to come, but they're so young. They're really young. But here's the thing. The question mark, Cade Cunningham. He's coming back. He missed basically all of last year. And you can't forget, this is a former number one pick. So if he is who everybody hoped he would be, maybe we see them move a little bit up the standings but they have a lot of 19 20 21 year olds and that's kind of why i have them at the bottom of the east but not quite you know rock bottom yeah i mean last year they were dead last in the eastern conference they finished 15th um uh 15th overall in eastern conference vegas is predicting them where you have them 14th overall but i do not have them at 14th okay my 14 is the charlotte hornets and part of the reason why is i just don't have good Vibes from what's going on in Charlotte. We know that they have new ownership coming in. Will there be changes made to the front office and potentially the coaching staff? I mean, Steve Clifford was just brought in last year, I think. So it's one of those things where I look at this team. They didn't do a whole lot in free agency. They signed Miles Bridges, who was all was out the entire season last year. They did extend LaMelo Ball to his rookie extension. Still no deal done with P.J. Washington. Like, are they upsetting the fruit basket there and causing some internal problems? And then other than that, they drafted Brandon Miller number two, which a lot of people were kind of confused by why they wouldn't take Scoot Henderson. Um, but I still like Brandon Miller. I think it makes sense. Nick Smith Jr. was also one of their picks. And Amari Bailey was someone they drafted as well. So they had a decent draft. I, I think they're just kind of a hodgepodge roster. A lot of vets they could trade off, like Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, those kind of players. But I'm just kind of curious, Foch, did you have Charlotte at 13 or did you have them higher? No, I had Charlotte at 13. So I okay. went back and forth between the two of them. And the way I, I looked at it as Hornets are a little bit more of an experienced team uh, between hey, Miles Bridges for all the, the negative. That's where the, he was one of their better players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he last played. So I do think that's a boost for them on the court. And then LaMelo Ball being healthy. He really was not healthy last year. And Brandon Miller, like you mentioned, the number two overall pick, a guy who – one of the one of the best talents in this previous draft class. So I factored in those and said, all right, you know what? They're a more experienced team than the Detroit Pistons. But to your point, the Hornets could and they will be far more likely to be sellers than the Pistons, who they're going to want to showcase that youth, keep the youth together. So it really could go either way. To me, it felt like a coin flip, and that's why I have Detroit at 13. So it wasn't much of a difference here. Charlotte, last year, they were the 14th best team in the Eastern Conference, and they are, they are projected by Vegas to be 13th this year. So right now, Fachi is bat- batting you know 100 with, with Vegas's odds. So I had Detroit only one spot higher just because I feel like the overall talent is a little bit better. And if Monty Williams can come in there and get these guys to play well, because that was a big thing here, Dwayne Casey didn't get fired. He stepped down. He got elevated to the front office, and Monty Williams was hired as the head coach to a huge deal. We know Monty Williams had his issues, had his issues in, in Phoenix, and it was just not going to work out. But they drafted Asar Thompson and Marcus Sasser, two guys that I really like in this draft class. They extended Isaiah Stewart to a four-year deal, which was a bit of an overpay by a lot of people. But they got Monty Morris and they got Joe Harris, which we talked with Michael Scotto about this. I'm just like, I don't really know what they were doing with their cap space, but they got two guys that have played in you know pivotal games before, guys that have had bigger moments to try to succeed. So I think just having some vets that have been there before and some playoff experience will be beneficial. I'm not saying that Charlotte doesn't have that, but apparently Cade Cunningham looked great with Team USA Select Team, and he single-handedly helped beat the Team USA that's playing FIBA right now in a scrimmage game. So part of me was a little bit high on just Cade Cunningham if he can come back to himself. I mean, he's the best player on either one of those two teams, in my opinion. So I think Jaden Ivey really started playing great towards the end of the year last year, and they just got a lot of talent. I think Asar Thompson's a great talent as well. So for me, I'm just higher on their upside. I think they're going to be neck and neck with their records. It's going to be like a one or two game difference, and that's why I had Detroit at 13 over Charlotte. But overall, I think that it's, like I said, it's a coin flip between the two. The talent on Detroit, the upside. The upside is really the the key word. Is like, man, they're going to be so good. I just wonder when. So Mm -hmm. they won 17 games last year. Uh, Vegas has the over-under at 28.5. So they're seeing an 11-win improvement, which is massive. Mm -hmm. That's big. So I think either way, Detroit's going to be a better team next year than what we saw last year. But we we know this. Cade Cunningham on that team last year, they probably win around 28 games, and they were tanking. Like, look at some of the the teams they put out there against the Pacers. I mean, it was awful. 
that we were like, I, I think there was a time where we were the only team that was beating them. I mean, you remember that? Or we lost to the Pistons. We lost, we lost to them one time in like was. a matter of like 18 games. It was like yeah. the only win they had was against us. And that's because we literally had nobody playing in that game. <laughs> I know. So like that was really rough, especially when we were, uh, we were all right with some losses, but Hey, whatever. Moving on next. This is where I think our lists are going to continue to change because I don't know. I might be lower on this team than you are. That's the Toronto Raptors. Man, are you just copying now, Vegas's picks or what? No, I'll tell you why. Look, first of all, I have the win totals, and the Raptors are tied with a few other teams, or at least yeah, one other it's, team. they're all close within that range. But still, so, they had well, them as you know twelfth in the in the standings. If you're going by order of what I was well, looking, I was looking on theory. DraftKings. Tell me about it. So here's the thing: you look at Toronto. One, their pick going to the Spurs is actually top six protected. Good so, point. Something to factor in. Now, next, Pascal Siakam, OG, even uh, Gary Trent Jr., all essentially expiring contracts. Yeah. The Raptors have an opportunity to be major sellers at yep. the deadline to the point where they might just be like the tanking team. And this is a team that's kind of really prided themselves and staying in it for the last few years. But this is a team that was 500 last year with Fred Van Vliet. There's no Fred Van Vliet this year. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to see a drop-off regardless, and I don't think the Raptors are going to be the team that's really going to continue to push and say, hey, you know what, we're going to hold on to these guys just in the offseason. Like, we're already hearing Atlanta is making trade offers for uh, Pascal Siakam. We know a lot of people want OG. It just feels like they're going to be sellers, but they're playing hardball right now. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I will say this, Toronto is probably the hardest team to read in the NBA with what they're trying to do because look at the signings, Flatchy, this offseason. Sign Dennis Schroeder, sign Jalen McDaniels, sign Garrett Temple. Do those sound like signings for a team that's trying to tank? No, no, they definitely needed a point guard. Schroeder, for yeah. sure, felt like the best available. So they're trying to say, hey, let's let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. You know? Yeah, and then they re-sign Yaka Pirtle. So they bring him back. They obviously traded for him with that pick you were talking about. They fired Nick Nurse because there's a lot of internal stuff going on with Nick Nurse. They hired Darko Raj, Rajakovic. I don't know how to say his last name. I apologize. Can't but we're, gonna, yep. we're just going to say Darko, Coach Darko. But, you know, and I think that a lot of people have said that Darko actually is going to have a good relationship with these guys because of his um, relationship prior to joining them. So they drafted Grady Dick, who I think is a little bit underrated as a prospect. I think he's going to be a good role player in the league. We'll see how he pans out. But 13th overall, not a bad pick for him, you know, wearing the ruby red slipper suit jacket, you know, paying homage to Kansas uh, with the Dorothy and her red slippers. But yeah, I had them 11th. So I'm not too far off. My 12th is where I had Orlando. So okay, I wanted to, I wanted to flip these two for a little bit. And I was thinking about it and I said, I'm just going to keep it. It doesn't really matter to me because they're both missing the playoffs. But your points about... Toronto potentially trying to tank and, and trading some guys. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I was even factoring in Pascal might not be on be on this team, but I think if Pascal is there for like 45% of the games, they probably win more than what Orlando does because Orlando, they did nothing this offseason. They signed Joe Ingles and re-signed Mo Wagner. They also drafted Anthony Black and Jed Howard, which were, you know, Jed Howard to me was a terrible pick at 11. Yeah. Anthony Black was someone that we knew was going to be in the top eight. So that didn't surprise me whatsoever. But I just felt like very underwhelming offseason from Orlando internal development for sure. You're going to get, you know, Franz Wagner with another year under his belt. You're going to get Paulo Boncaro, rookie of the year, you know, getting another year under his belt. So they're going to grow. But I just feel like it's it's hard to predict wins for this team right now when I'm not in love with their guard play. And I think Anthony Black might be the answer, but I don't think he's the answer this year. So I just I've, I struggle with their outside shooting a little bit. Vegas has them projected to win uh, to be 11th and Toronto 12th. So I have them flipped. I have Orlando 12th and Toronto 11th. You had Toronto 12th. I'm curious, did you have Orlando 11th or did you have them higher? I have Orlando 11th. So, okay, so look, we're just flip flopped on these again. We are. Maybe it's premature. But I love the young core that they have in place. And I think they're going to try and go for it. Last year, we know, like, this is a team that like I felt like was trying to tank for a while. And they kind of got hot. They got hot at a weird time. Yeah. They won six of eight games towards the end of the season where all of a sudden it was like, 
yeah, wait a minute. Like uh, the magic look, they have a shot at getting like a top four, top five pick. Like, what are they doing? And I just feel like that's because they have talent. If Paulo and Franz could take that next step forward, I feel like they really have something there. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned it. They didn't do anything in the offseason. Well, if they really want, wanted to make a push, yeah, they should have got something done. And they have too many guards. We thought maybe Jalen Suggs would be moved or, or someone would be moved, but they, they didn't make that move. So at this point, I can't put the magic in the playoffs or even the play in. But I feel like they're a team that on some nights are probably going to sneak up on some teams. But at this point, I still have them on the outside looking in. All right, Pachi. Well, that is our first five that we've unveiled. So the bottom five in the Eastern Conference, which means that the next 10 teams we'll talk about are playing our playoff teams in. We have not talked about the Indiana Pacers yet. So let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we will jump into our top 10. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back from a nice little water break here. Fachi, number 10, who do you have? have the Chicago Bulls. Okay, they are ninth by Vegas. This is Fachi's first change from Vegas. Yeah, see, you know, maybe Vegas Finally, do changing it up. All right. No, look, here's the thing. They re-signed Vucevic. They brought him my boy Javon Carter. Love Javon, West Virginia. Hey, but look, they essentially are running it back. They're running back a team that really was – an underperforming team last year that finished ninth. They caught fire, I guess, towards the back end where all of a sudden it's like, hey, look, the Bulls aren't going to be sellers. They're, they're going to go for it. And then they ended up jumping the Pacers. But at one point, it looked really bad for Chicago. And if yeah. things go south, I mean, we've heard, heard rumors that, you know, they could move off of a Zach Levine. Or does DeMar DeRozan become available? And we obviously know Lonzo Ball's not coming back, maybe ever, unfortunately. On paper, they have talent which I think is why they're good enough to be in at least the play-in category. Maybe if they play to their potential, they are a playoff team. I would say top six, but like, you know, maybe a top eight. But at this point, I have the Bulls in that 10th spot. Okay, so I will just say this. For Chicago, not only did they sign your boy, Javon Carter, they signed former Indiana Pacer Torrey Craig to a deal. Yes, so he did. left Phoenix. He's with them now. And I think he kind of makes sense for what they want to do. Uh, he could be a guy that closes games up. We know they have Patrick Williams, who I think he started to come on a little bit stronger last year towards the end of the year, but still a guy trying to find himself. They re-signed Io DeSumo and Kobe White. We know that there's no Lonzo Ball. They did get that injury exception, so they still have that ability to go out there and sign somebody if they need to. You mentioned they re-signed Vucevic. They drafted Julian Phillips. 
just because they're only one spot ahead of the 10. I have them at ninth for me, Fachi. I, I think that this is a team that has enough veterans that makes you feel like they can beat anybody on anybody any given night. They can beat anybody on any given night. But I think they also could be a team that tries to get involved in a trade. We've heard their name linked a lot to potentially – you know, a third team with James Harden and the Clippers or even maybe potentially taking on James Harden in a trade if they can't find a deal with the Clippers and maybe you trade a Zach Levine or a DeMar DeRozan or something like that. So they're a team that I'm just kind of curious about how they go about building out or filling out this roster in terms of trying to make adjustments. But even if they run it back, even as much as they overpaid for Vucevic with having no competition from other teams trying to get him, I still, think, I still think that, like you said, that continuity at the end of the season could carry over it could. and so i'm not going to rule them out I, I feel like ninth again was a good spot to put them because they're going to be dealt with some injuries i think that they always deal with injuries from levine so it's an up and down type of situation for them so they're at nine but for me at number 10 this is where i have a team taking a few steps back and that's the brooklyn nets okay i like brooklyn i think they've got some good players but i don't love their roster i think that you know, having Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on that team to start the year off with did help them get enough of a cushion before those two guys were traded at the deadline, and they kind of backed their way into the playoffs. I'm not in love with this roster. I like a lot of the players on the roster, but if you want to look at what Brooklyn did, they signed Darius Baisley, they signed Dennis Smith Jr., they signed Lonnie Walker, they signed Trendon Wofford. None of those signings are jumping off the table. I don't really think any of them have a significant impact next year. Maybe a small one, but not significant in terms of like changing how the trajectory of this team goes. They did extend Cam Johnson to a four-year deal, and they drafted some guys we liked, Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead, and Jalen Wilson. So to me, this is a Nets team that's got potential, but at the same time, I think relying on Mikael Bridges or Cam Johnson or Spencer Dinwiddie to be your number one option on offense at times is going to be problematic for them. I think they're probably around 500, Foch, and I think they barely get in to the back end of the plan. Yeah, hey, no, I, I some some good points on there. I will talk about the Nets, you know, at some point. So but you have somebody else at nine, okay. I do. And at number nine, I have the Indiana Pacers. Okay. Now, I love what we have going on. I do, but I don't want to be a homer. Now, having us in the ninth spot has us in the plan, but having us – at nine is also basically being a 500 team. That would be a solid improvement from the 35 wins. If it's say it's 41 and, and 41, that's a six win improvement. I think that the Pacers can't take a, you know, a 10 or so, you know, win leap all the time or beat Vegas's odds. Vegas has them at 37 and a half wins. I've always felt comfortable in that over. I think 41, 42 wins could be right where this Pacers team is at. Of course they need to stay healthy. And, got to also play well in the first half of the season because if things do not go well in the first half of the season, they might be looking to trade guys like Buddy Heald or maybe, you know, a TJ McConnell or other people and kind of sell off a little bit, not of the young core, but I think it's important to get off to a good start in the first half of the season. But I see improvement for this Pacers team regardless. That's why I have them at the ninth spot. Okay. I'm curious who you have at eight. At eight, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, man, you're, okay, so you're way uh, high on the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, so let's just hold off on Brooklyn then. Yes. Because for me at number eight, I've got the Indiana Pacers. So you talked about them at nine. I had them at eight. Yep. They were 11th last year in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Vegas has them, win total-wise, projected to finish eighth this year. So I thought that was interesting. We know they signed Bruce Brown. They traded for Obi Top and traded Chris Duarte, extended Halliburton. They drafted Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard, like, they had a good offseason, in my opinion. They didn't make a lot of drastic changes to their roster. Made but they got, smart moves, though. Yeah, and I think that this team, when Halliburton was healthy, was a playoff team. And so that's kind of what I'm leaning on. 29-29. Yeah, and I think that they're going to get better. And I also like that bringing Bruce Brown ensures one thing. If Benedict Matherin does not start off well and really struggles and has a sophomore slump, you can kind of reduce his minutes a little bit, and you still have the optionality of Buddy Hield and Bruce Brown to kind of be that two guard for you to carry that load. Obviously for this team to get to where they want to get to, you need Matherin to hit, but you have so many options and Andrew Nimmer can also play the two. So it's like, they've got enough wing depth now with the bigs they brought in at the four with Obi Toppin and Jairus Walker that now, if for some reason Matherin's really struggling, you could play Aaron Neesmith over him if you need to, 
He's not going to give you the same offensive production, but you know you're going to get better defense. So I just feel like this Pacers team's in a great position. I like them at the eight seed, giving them a chance to get two play-in games at at um, max if they ended up losing the first one against the seven seed. But yeah, I just I, I agree with you that they're right in that eight nine range. But I just feel like overall roster construction wise and talent wise, they're significantly more. I'm trying to think of the right word here. I, I think they're built better than how Brooklyn's built. So that's why I'm not super high on Brooklyn. That's why I have them at 10. I'm kind of curious where you have them at since you don't have them at uh, eight either. So you have the Hawks at eight, and I'll have to talk about them later because I have them higher than eight. Yeah, and you know, getting back to, to the Pacers, I don't think I gave them enough shine. Was just, just Last year, I just felt like there was times towards, especially the back end of the year, where it's like, hey, look, you know, it doesn't really make sense to push forward for a couple wins. Like, Assuming everything's going well, the Pacers are, are going for wins, and they are just a deeper team this mm-hmm. year than last year. There is a competition at every spot. So if Tyrese Halliburton, him most of all, can remain healthy, anything can happen. So I'm excited. But at number eight, where I mentioned the Atlanta Hawks, they've made it known. They want to have an upgrade. But they didn't. They traded John Collins essentially just for cap space just to get him off the mm-hmm. books. They're rumored for Siakam. But they've also underperformed for a couple of years now after making that conference finals run. We haven't seen, I think it kind of overrated the Hawks a bit. And they've now been this like play-in type team. I do think there'll be buyers at the deadline. But if you look at it on paper, this offseason, they got Patty Mills. uh, They got Wesley Matthews. And, uh, you know, they, they extended DeJounte Murray. Other than that, there's really nothing of significance. So for the Hawks, it's hard for me to say, hey, I see this team really being that good. But, I mean, I would like to even put the Pacers above the Hawks. But at the same point, I just feel like, I don't know, the Hawks have some experience. They have some all-stars. Maybe they make a, they make a move to be getting better because they should be buyers. So that's why I had them at eight. Yeah, it feels like they're the front runners to get Pascal Siakam. And if they so. if they get him, that's huge for that team. So that's big. Let me ask you this. Who do you have at seven? At seven, I have the Brooklyn Nets. So okay. I, I, I was finally. like, Yeah, finally. I know that you were you were at the edge of your seat wondering like, where, where does he have Brooklyn? Like, does he look, have them in the top six again? I'm like, there's no way. No, look, because you're so low on Brooklyn does not mean that I'm so high on Brooklyn. It's just a, you I are relative, like you are uh, higher than you, but at, at, at the same point, yeah, Brooklyn. I guess I live in the area. But look, you can make an argument that the Pacers have a better team than Brooklyn. I just think that Mikel Bridges on how he finished the end of the season, he was one of the most impressive players uh, after the trade deadline. Cam Johnson, I like the fit there. And I'm basing a good amount of this on, like, is this the year Ben Simmons can return somewhat to form? Uh, I always think he was on that team. It, but you did. You didn't bring him up, period, when you went no. through the roster. And it's like, I've listened to a couple interviews, and Bridges, Cam Johnson, them, they're like, oh, man, he's 100% healthy. Like He's feeling great. He's confident. Who knows? Who knows? But at this point, it's been it's been a while. So if he, he can even be like 75% of who he used to be, you know, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie over there, it's a good enough roster to be that, you know, around 500 or so. We'll see what happens. Dennis Smith Jr. was actually – a decent player last year. Lonnie Walker, a decent player. They got some depth. I think that they could be a team that is anywhere from, you know, seven and nine. That That's what I would basically yeah. say. You had them at 10. I, I think between seven and nine, we know how that goes. That could be separated by about two wins. Yeah, and to be fair, Vegas has them projected to finish 10th this okay. year. So, Told you I wasn't following them, just copying them. I, I yeah, got my own. After your after picks. your bottom five, you did the top ten how you wanted to. So that was interesting. And then at seven, that's where you had Brooklyn. So I, um, it's interesting because for me at seven, I'm staying in the home state, but I'm going with the New York Knicks. I think they do okay. take a step back just a little bit. Um, I, I I don't know why. I think that there's teams above them that are just better, and it's going to be tough because I always fear that with Tom Thibodeau, one of their key guys is going to get hurt. And with Jalen Brunson, and that could change team, everything. Yeah, and with Jalen Brunson playing with Team USA, the wear and tear he's going to put as a starter on that team, then go in to play with Tibbs. Could he end up having an injury? Do we love how crowded that backcourt is? I don't personally. I think that it's too crowded. And I think their front court depth is terrible. So if what if Julius Randle gets hurt, who's their backup power forward? You know, it's like slim pickings. I think this is a team oh, yeah. that really like you need Julius Randle to be an All NBA guy kind of again. 
you know, that's you have he has to be all NBA again for this team to be as good as they were last year. They were fifth in the East last year. They were sixth um, in this year's predict, uh, predictions by Vegas. You know, if you look at their offseason, it was pretty lame, Fachi, really. It really was. They traded Obi Toppin to the Pacers. They signed Dante DiVincenzo. They re-signed Dwayne Washington Jr. And they extended Josh Hart. So good extension for Josh Hart. Good signing of DiVincenzo to get the Villanova boys back. But basically gave, gave up on Obi Toppin three years into his career. For nothing, and then they re-sign a guy that's not going to play a lot. So smart to be a little bit patient. I'm I'm not hating on them for that. I think that getting the seventh seed is a, is a fine spot. It's not that much difference from last year, but I just feel like I am a little bit higher on some other teams based on overall roster construction. Yep. No, I, I hear you on that. One spot above, I have the New York Knicks. Okay. I have them at six. So the Knicks were a better team after adding Josh Hart. They very much were. Uh, I think that he clicked with what they're doing. I think his, you know, him playing w- with Jalen Brunson once again, and but also on Team USA, it's going to be great for their chemistry. Dante DiVincenzo, a, a solid player who's going to be able to help them out with some three and D action. Uh, I see them being consistent, but also not being sellers. Like I think the Knicks are, they're they're going for it. If anything, people are wondering when are they going to be buyers because they have a bunch of first round picks and they got that Evan Fournier contract that they're itching to deal but they have not been able to so i think that when the the opportunity strikes the knicks will look to add to this team but i do have them taking a step back because they didn't do much in the offseason other than keep this team together add Dante DiVincenzo and Dwayne washington jr or whatever whatever that's worth but Mm. i got them at six i still think that they're good enough to be outside of the plan but clearly not by much yeah so i'm gonna give you a little bit of a hot take here this is a this is a spicy one for me and i didn't originally have them there, but I ended up sliding them down here. And at number six, I've got the one, two, three, four, five, seventy-sixers. Philadelphia. I have them sliding to six. James Harden opts in, requests a trade, fire Doc Rivers, hire Nick Nurse. They signed Pat Bev. They re-signed Paul Reed. They re-signed Montres Harrell, and they signed Mo Bamba. They lost George's Niang as well, someone that was a good bench player for him last year. They ended up trading for Jalen McDaniels, and he ended up leaving and going to Toronto. So I don't love what they did in the offseason. I think the James Harden situation is going to be problematic. We'll see how long this plays out, but I think James Harden was so good last year for this team. And you can't deny, even if you don't like James Harden as a player, what he meant for that franchise. And so Joel Embiid has is the MVP, but he's notoriously gotten hurt. And we know that Nick Nurse plays a lot different style than Doc Rivers. And if Nick Nurse runs any kind of similar defense that we saw Nate Bjorken run here. I don't know how Joel Embiid's going to hold up trying to play all that kind of defense. So he's going to be in the best shape of his life. I feel like this is a team that could take a slip. I still think that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be a play-in team, but I think they're a team that could slide a little bit, Flachy. So that's why I have them coming in at six. You know, if you're not a fan of spicy food, but you like a little bit of a mild, I got the 76ers at five for a lot of the reasons that you named. I think they take that step back just as well. I'm trying to hold a poker face and not reveal too much. Yeah. But I, I completely agree with you. I think their window's closed. And I'm not saying it's shut, but yeah. that window's just got a little breeze coming through there. It, it, it ain't as open as it used to be. They had a window to go for it all, and I, and they never capitalized. They didn't get out of the second round with the group that they had. That James Harden situation, it could blow up. Who knows what type of shape he comes into camp if he has not been moved and if he gets moved and what if it's a scenario where they're getting not to say pennies on the dollar, but trading a dollar for a couple quarters, you know, anything yeah. of the sort. I, Joel Embiid, he's given you some of the best basketball he could possibly give you for the last three years. He's been either a top two guy in MVP voting. He's, he won one, finished second the other years. He hasn't been able to hold up. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay as healthy as he's been the last couple of years. And I just think the team is starting to go down a, a little bit. So I completely agree with you. I am lower on them. I got them at five. And uh, to me, that felt like them taking a step back. For sure, Foch. And so I'll move on to my number five. And this is a team you had at number eight. This is where I have the Atlanta Hawks. And I know wow. this is probably a bit of a jump, too. I think I had the Hawks high last year or two years ago. I think you've been high on them the last few well, years. 
I, I whatever yeah. one you're talking about, I remember that. I think you it were was like two years ago after they yeah. made the Eastern Conference Finals. I was like, okay, they're going to be really good because I felt like they were coming into their own. But I think one of the things that we're kind of sleeping on is Quinn Snyder took over in the middle of the season last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I thought that he made some huge adjustments in that playoff series against Boston and pushed them to six games. I think Quinn Snyder is a great coach, and I think he's going to get the best out of this team, and they're going to end up being a lot better than people suspect. I actually almost wanted to put them fourth, but I was like, I got to pump the brakes. Oh, so yeah. So I had oh. them at five. They were seventh last year, which is not that far away. They're projected to be seventh by Vegas this year. But I thought trading John Collins to Utah was actually a blessing in disguise. Obviously, they didn't get enough back form, but sometimes addition by subtraction is a real thing. You know, they get two vets and Patty Mills, Wes Matthews. That really didn't do much, but they extended DeJounte Murray on a four-year deal. You know, Trey Young, I think that he looked pretty good in Quinn Snyder's offense. He got DeAndre Hunter. If they get past Siakam, this team is definitely a much different team. But um, a Kong Wu is someone they're very high on. They could trade Clint Capella. They still have that trade chip. Jalen Johnson's going to get more of an opportunity. They got Sadiq Bay last year at the trade deadline, who I thought played pretty well for him. So um, A.J. Griffin, another guy that they drafted two years ago, I think he's got potential. But they got Kobe Bufkin. They've got Mohamed Gay and Seth Lundy in the draft as well. So to me, just a team that I'm kind of interested in. I think that with Knowing what Quinn Snyder has done before with the Utah Jazz, having a limited roster with what they could do, I kind of see some similarities here with Atlanta. Five feels like overachieving a little bit, but to me, not that much. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we're um, okay. If you said four, man, I would I would have well, fell our, out of my chair. Our top four is the same. We just don't know what order yet. So let's see who you have at number yeah, four. Yeah. Yeah. So at number four, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Same here. They're a good team. They're a good team. They finished fourth, but they underperformed in round one. They lost to the Knicks, and at times it was like, I mean, the Knicks just looked like, outside of I think it was game one or so, the Knicks looked like just a much better team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Max Struess, George Niang, a few other players. You, you bring back Karis LeVert. I just think it's a, it's a good team that needs to play together for a bit longer, and I think that they were a really good home team. Yeah. So I, I see them as like okay hey you know what you got better but the east is also really competitive that's why i still have you in the fourth spot i think evan mobley is going to have a big jump this year in his third season i'm excited to see that i like darius garland a lot i think the donovan mitchell stuff is going to be interesting he could be a trade chip as well knowing that when they traded for him that it wasn't going to be a long-term solution because he's not signed an extension yet and i don't think he will sign one before this season so we'll see we'll have to keep an eye on that and see if there's any ripple effects from that but I actually really like the the signing of Max Struess, even though we were talking about him as like, why does he make sense for the Pacers? I think that they could use him as their small forward because Karis LeVert's not the option there. And even though George's name wants to, you know, clap back at me on Twitter because I said Karis LeVert was that, overrated. That was great. You yeah. know, you, whatever. You were right, though. You were right. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to back down to an NBA I'll player when down. I think they're wrong. I mean, he's just being a good teammate, so good kudos to him. But yeah, he was just looking at points, and that was all he was doing. I'm like, okay, so you didn't That's watch any of those did. games. Yeah, I mean, he put the ball in the basket. We know Karis LeVert can do that. You give the guy 30 shot at him, so he's going to score 30 points. I mean, that's what he does, and an efficient scorer. So anyway, uh, Karis LeVert, good bench player. Fine that he's on that team. Still give me Andrew Nimhar 10 out of 10 times. I, I like this team. I don't think they're going to go very far. I don't like their coach that much. I think he's an okay coach. I, I think that he's limited with what he can do, and he'll probably get out coach in a playoff series against Quinn Snyder, if this is set up, how my predi- uh, predictions are for four and five, I just don't trust them at all. But overall, I think they have a good team. I'm excited to see what Evan Mobley does. I think Jared Allen could hopefully have a bounce back year. But Darius Garland, someone that's been slept on quite a bit, I feel like, made the All-Star team two years ago, didn't make it last year, but still have a heck of a point guard and was really a good fit next to Donovan Mitchell, despite them both being a little bit smaller. So had a, I, I like that team at four. Mm-hmm. One quick uh, last point on that before we move on. Evan Mobley, man, I wanted to put him on the list of like, if this guy ever became available for Pacers <laughs> trade for, it's not going to happen. But he is a he is a very special talent, uh, yeah. and uh, he's going to be really good for a long time. At number three, I have the Miami Heat. Okay, look, they were really hot when it mattered most. A team that was one loss away from not even making the playoffs, they made it count. I'm kind of factoring in here that they make the trade for Damian Lillard. Because at this point, they're really the only team that feels very serious about it. And I think that they'll get a deal done at one point. I don't think Portland wants that distraction. And for the Heat, for a team that was really sluggish at times last year, for them to go from play-in to the three seed 
is is a, a big jump, and uh, I think that uh, I think they're ready for it because what we saw, hey, this team coming off the finals, I mean, they looked so good in the playoffs. I think they're good enough to take that leap in a new year. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to Cleveland real quick because I forgot to mention Vegas has them pre- uh, predicted to finish third in the Eastern Conference. So, gotcha. Kind of interesting. We had them both at four when they Vegas has them at third, but you said Miami, they're predicted to be fifth in the Eastern Conference. And I'm sure that's not knowing whether or not Dame's going to be. That's a good point. But I'm going to go to my three because I have Miami higher than three. I'm oh, going with okay. the Boston Celtics. And I tell you why. Right. They're projected to get the most wins in the Eastern Conference by Vegas. And they finished second last year. Look at this offseason, Flashy. Please tell me if you liked anything they did. Signed O'Shea Brissett. Signed Delano, uh, Delano Ban- uh, Blanton. Excuse me. Traded Marcus Smart. Acquired Kristaps Porzingis. Extended Jalen Brown to a five-year max, making him the most expensive player in the league, and they drafted Jordan Walsh. I hate the Porzingis trade. I think it makes no sense. He's already he's already injured with Latvia, so to me, it's like you traded away the heart and soul of your team. I know you needed some change, and and they're getting away from their defense, which was what they were hanging their hat on with Ime Udoka for Joe Mazzulla. Now they're going to a more offensive uh, oriented offense, but. You, you're relying too much on Malcolm Brogdon to be your backup point guard now with Marcus Smart on the, on the outs. You end up getting rid of Danilo Gallinari as well to Washington in this deal. And now you're giving the keys to um, Derek White, which I like Derek White. I think that's actually a good move. I think he's probably a better fit than Marcus Smart sometimes, but trading the heart and soul of your team for Kristaps, I just don't love it. And I know some people really like it, but Horford, Kristaps, and Robert Williams does not scream like a front court that's going to be able to take down one of the upper echelon teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, look, Porzingis, when he's healthy, he's good. But he's really not that healthy for that long. And no. Like you mentioned, he's already hurt. If he goes down and he can't stay healthy, then, then it, it's a it's a major loss because we talked about the guy that they gave up, Marcus Smart. I mean, look, Smart, former Defensive Player of the Year, some of his biggest contributions is stuff that never shows up on the box score. It's talking. It's getting everybody in line. He's the quarterback of a, a defense, but a team that prides themselves on defense. Yeah. So I just feel like that's that's huge. It's like a football team losing like their, their middle linebacker who's calling everything. It, it, that yeah. could completely throw everything off. So for next, I have the Boston Celtics at number two. Okay. So with the Celtics, like Porzingis, if he stays healthy, which – Last year was one of the times that he did, but didn't matter because he was on a a team that didn't make the playoffs. Then, look, they could be good. But at the same point, the loss of Marcus Smart is so real because you mentioned it. Malcolm Brogdon can't stay healthy. And when it mattered most, Brogdon couldn't stay healthy for them in the playoffs. I think what was a big shame was they went down 0-3. They roared back. They forced a game seven against Miami. I mean, look, maybe we look at things differently if they were the runner-up in the finals. What I want to give them credit for Joe Mazzula, a rookie head coach, had probably one of the best tough situation, had one of the best rookie head coach years you could have. And I think that he learned a lot from probably what didn't go well. But yeah, Brogdon, if he can't stay healthy, Porzingis. Brogdon and Porzingis, probably two of the more injury-prone players over the last few years. So they got some problems. And that's why I got the Boston Celtics at number two. But Who's your so did you you didn't go I didn't say two, my number two yet? Yeah. It's the Miami Heat. And you talked about it. Damian Lillard, if he's traded there, I think they're a powerhouse team. Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Bam is a tough trio to deal oh, yeah. with. But let's not overlook what they did signing wise. I think bringing Josh Richardson back was a huge signing for them in terms of one of the lower tier signings, like one of those mid-tier guys that wasn't really going to get paid a lot of money. Because he was lights out there in Miami. He's not been the same player without Miami, but we know what the heat culture does to guys. So I think he comes back. He might get a little bit, inner, uh, you know, a new energy, renewed energy from when he was previously there. And I'm not saying he's going to be this, you know, great player, but he's going to be a six, you know, six man type of guy. I think he could have that kind of an impact. I think he'll definitely be more impactful than Victor Oladipo was, who was traded to Oklahoma City, which is kind of funny that he's back on the Thunder. But they also bring in Thomas Bryant, who I thought was a decent backup big for the Lakers. I think that that's some decent size for them in their front court. And they've got Kevin Love, who was apparently a great locker room guy for them last year. And if they can get Dame Lillard, I mean, even if they can't, they're going to figure something out. But their roster to me is just still 
pretty deep and seeing them go into the NBA finals last year, like, yeah, regular season stuff. It's probably a little bit more difficult to get them excited for more wins like that, because it's like, you just made it to the Eastern conference finals or the, excuse me, the NBA finals. And now you're probably like, just kind of wore out because there's a lot of wear and tear on your body, but I think they're going to be motivated. I think if they get Damian Lillard, this team, and I'm projecting that they do, is going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, if not the favorite, to get to the championship once again. And I think Eric Spolstra could win his first coach of the year this year. It's it's a crime that he hasn't won it, honestly. I think if you polled a lot of people, he would probably end up being, being picked as the best coach you know, in NBA. Maybe you say Pop just because he's been around the longest nope. and what he's done. But not anymore. Spolstra. Yeah, ex- exactly. Not anymore. But look, I think the Heat run into maybe that Golden State Warriors syndrome where you're like, hey, we just got to get in the playoffs and we'll be good. Regular seasons, good. whatever. Look what we did in, in the play-in type of situation. But regardless, we have them as a top three team. Uh, now, moving over to my number one, it's That's the my Milwaukee one. Bucks. Yep. Look, the Bucks are essentially running it back, but they added Malik Beasley, who was one of the better Bench players in the league, I believe, led all bench players in threes uh, last year. They re-signed Jay Crowder, who they acquired at the deadline, and I, I feel like never really got to play the role or the amount of minutes that he hoped. But yeah. they moved on from from Budenholzer, and I think that it's probably going to be a situation that helps them out. Um, and let's also factor this in: Chris Middleton's going to be healthy. Middleton was not himself last year. He was. Kind of, I don't want to be rude, but kind of a shell of himself last year. Mm -hmm. And I think that he gave them everything he could, but that was not vintage, borderline-esque, all-star Chris Middleton. And, you know, across the board, look, you bring in Robin Lopez. There was a lot of, like, smart depth decisions that that they made. And I think that Giannis was someone who got hurt. People forget that, got hurt against Boston early on. They never really stood a chance in the playoffs. So I I think that – or no, Miami. Miami. Yeah, Miami. Yeah, and that changed – the whole series so yeah. i have the bucks as the one seed in the east yeah same here and i think that that honestly getting them some rest being out in the first round is going to give them a little bit yeah. extra motivation drew holiday i think that the stuff between him and jimmy butler was getting really personal on the court and we know they were going back and forth quite a bit but yeah i mean jay crowder i'm not really worried about him he's a good rotational guy you know probably seventh eighth ninth man kind of man but Chris Middleton, they re-signed him. They re-signed Brooke Lopez. You said they brought in Beasley and Lopez. They also brought in A.J. Green, who I think could be, you know, probably someone in that 10-man rotation, maybe is like the 11th or 12th guy. But I know they're pretty high on him. They drafted Andre Jackson from Connecticut. Uh, Chris Livingston as well. I think Chris Livingston, they were told, like, telling people not to draft him until. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, pick 58. And then they fired Budenholzer, like you said. But they hired A.J. Griffin, who was with the Raptors and has been a highly sought-out assistant coach for a while. And Giannis and Chris Middleton were a part of that coaching search. So I definitely think that this is a team that seems really connected, and they're all together. And any coach walking into coaching Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, Lopez, like getting Lopez back was huge because there was a lot of rumors out there that he could go to Houston for money. And he ends up coming back home. So I think that's good. And Bobby Portis is playing with Team USA right now. Maybe he'll get some, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but he's just going to get rejuvenated. We should say, hopefully with these young guys and just kind of be like, okay, I'm ready to come in here and do what I do. Cause Bobby Portis is a fan favorite of Milwaukee. There's no doubt about it. But to me, they're just the deepest team with the least amount of question marks. And that's the biggest thing. I think that Boston, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Cleveland, even Miami, there's so many question marks with those teams or with Milwaukee. I feel like, you know what you're going to get. I completely agree. That's a, that's a good way to put it is like, there isn't going to be a shakeup. The Bucks uh, that Ed, that rest that that comment you made about the difference between the rest between the Heat and the Bucks is really two months. Big. Yeah. I mean it, exactly what you mentioned. Two months of extra basketball. The Heat, yeah, they have veterans, man. They really do. A guy like Jimmy Butler, the, Kyle Lowry. I mean, playing deep into it, Giannis easily needed that rest. I think this is a, a time that it's not like the Bucks were a bad team last year by any means at all but it feels like a bounce back year for the bucks to be one of those true contenders in the nba yeah and i think it's going to be a little bit of an addition by subtraction too for the bucks because they don't have javon carter on their roster anymore so anytime you can get rid of a west virginia play you're going to be in a better shape yeah right you're lucky i didn't <laughs> go into that about saying joe missoula a west virginia guy you know hey, that <laughs> oh that's why you're so high on missoula i forgot he's uh, west virginia I, he boy was at west virginia when i was there so it was, oh, it was cool. did you ever see him in school well, yeah, 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 yeah. And Did he you was talk someone. To him? Who, no, no, no. 
um wasn't uh it's not like i was like affiliated with the team or anything but every now and then you see some players around but joe Mazzula was like uh just that hard-working guy on the the team the senior like all, all of that stuff so he wasn't by any means like this star or anything like oh man that's joe Missoula. it was like yeah hey, yeah you know it's joe Missoula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get it i get it so all right Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media absolutely so you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook at set the pace you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast. We can find all of our video content where this video might be up, but we still got to get that Chad Buchanan interview up on there as well. So it'll be up shortly. I've just had a very busy week. But with that being said, Fachi, if people haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating interview over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast at. And let us know what you thought of the podcast that we talked about today and where you have the Pacers in the standings. Apache, you're 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 cranked up, man. You're ready for this one. So, if you're excited to see the Pacers in the playoffs, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop, smooth. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.